I'm Animesh. I'm Peter. I'm Ravi. And it's time to up the irons on Horns Up. Yes, we're devoting the entire episode to Senjutsu, Iron Maiden's 17th studio album that released just yesterday, the 3rd of September 2021. And we decided to give it 24 hours worth of mind space and rattle out our reactions, thoughts and views. But of course, this is Horns Up. It's a podcast and we must keep you, dear listener, with us for at least some time. So I've taken the liberty to structure this chat out in a way that helps go beyond just the likes and the dislikes, all in an effort to try and add some context and maybe some weight to what is ultimately just an opinion. Peter, Ravi, ready to do this? Oh, yeah, man. I'm I'm quite excited actually. I'm glad Ravi's on board with this because considering the feedback we got to the tool episode, <laughs> which has been a while, but <laughs> yeah. That album deserved that. This album deserves it too. So let's get to it then. Senjutsu pretty much dropped out of the blue, right? Nobody was really expecting it coming into this year. And it was just a couple of months ago that we learned of the album. So rewind to that time. Um, what were your expectations when you learned that, you know, there's going to be a 17 studio album from Iron Maiden? Ravi, start us off. Yeah, well, Guarded Optimism, uh, like you mentioned, it did uh, come out of the blue. I think even all of the tours were supposed to be, uh, you know, continuations of the rescheduling of uh, the dates that they couldn't do uh, on Legacy of the Beast. And so, you know, you kind of thought that a studio album was probably very, very distant uh, as far as Anne Maiden was concerned. And so it was quite a pleasant surprise. And I think the way they kind of built it up with all of the clues and the almost ARG alternate reality game style uh, build up was also, of course, quite interesting. I think it's the first time, I mean, Maiden have always been a slightly, well, for want of a better way of putting it, nerdy kind of band, but I think this time they really let that freak flag fly and it was quite interesting to uh, see people piece all of this together, basis t-shirts and, you know, odd bits of graffiti and things like that. So, yeah, it was very, very interesting. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to set this straight. I'm a huge, huge, huge Maiden fan and I love all eras of the band, right? Including the Diano era, including the Blaze albums and Yes, this current post-Brave New World era that's been together now for 21 years. Wow. That's almost like one career uh, of of a band in itself, right? That's That puts yeah. some perspective right there. And since we're still in that same era, that's what I drew on to kind of set expectations for a new Maiden album. Um, Post-Brave New World Maiden, to me, are a completely different beast from classic Maiden. Uh, epics and longer songs are where they excel and I like the fact that Maiden is still trying new things they aren't afraid to push boundaries not a surprise that some of my favorite Maiden songs are the ones that feature this slow building kind of an atmosphere and what everyone likes to call progressive song structures but (laughs) it's really not progressive as such right Um, I prefer them rather uh, to the short energetic bursts of songs as such and these songs again are of two types the one that are the stereotypical maiden right which is penned by steve harris you can see that in yeah. blood brothers no more lies for the greater good of god when the wild wind blows the red and the black and then the others that feature at least one another songwriter attached to it right so i 
typically i think i've 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 done the homework and i find myself drawn towards stuff that features either smith or gers so you know songs like out of the silent planet dance of death passion dale starblind the talisman even empire of the clouds which was a bruce dickinson number so overall i'm i'm happy with the direction the band has taken over the last 21 years they've got their formulas they've got their signatures they've got their structures firmly in place and there's a provision for ample amounts of experimentation and new ideas thrown in as and when required it's it's consistent it creates familiarity it creates loyalty it creates timelessness to a degree uh, there's no band that sounds like iron maiden and each new album seems to kind of deliver on that promise so that's honestly what i was expecting from senjutsu i was honestly expecting more of the same peter what about you what were your expectations from iron maiden 17 studio album i'm going to be honest i wish i shared the same enthusiasm that you did <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like for me and we've had this discussion before i don't really remember book of souls i remember buying the extended cd i mean the extend the what is it called the limited edition book or something like that that they had released in india but if you have to ask me like i remember empire of the clouds that's it that's the only track i kind of remember because it was like 18 minutes long or something like that but ask me about the rest of the album i don't know at all right i haven't spent that much time with it and i so basis that i had no real expectations i was like okay maiden's releasing a new album there's been so much music coming out this year now you've got maiden like can you imagine all the bands who would like spent months setting up the date of like the first uh, week week of september the first friday of september and then suddenly maiden announces and like if i was an independent band or something i'd be like fuck it man i'm changing my release date like nobody's going to bother about my band when iron maiden releases it and just look at it i mean like iron maiden's it's not iron maiden the band right it's iron maiden holdings you've got like just see the entire kind of campaign they put together the gorilla marketing the entire thing leaving the clues everyone i mean there was a twitter account dedicated to like sharing updates as okay what are they going to announce when they going to announce uh bruce dickinson did a uh, i think tv appearance wearing the t-shirt also of the festival right i can't remember the name now i'm going to butcher the name but uh there was all of that happening in there right so while initially i wasn't with all of this happening i was like oh my god okay this is going to be something different they're going to do something more uh and like you said right cuz if you see post brave new world cuz that's the era kind of like we've grown up uh, in right literally if you see every album they kind of do something more and it's kind of challenging right what the maiden sound is like you do have like you said steve harris who's consistently putting out the same kind of stuff but then you've got someone like Bruce Dickinson who's putting out an 18 writing an 18 minute track which if you think about it i'm sure that's one of the things where everyone's like calling it progressive right because what other tag do you have uh, to add in there and uh, i don't know I'm, i don't want to go too ahead of myself but possibly this is the album that will change the tag of what the maiden sound is i don't know mm. okay okay at this point then Peter you you definitely had little to no expectations from the album from Senjutsu then Ravi one word answer what were like 
did you have any expectations or were you like okay this is going to be just like well like i said i was guardedly 4 to 5 yeah i was like guardedly optimistic i thought uh, uh the final frontier was a complete disaster i think the only song i liked on that was the talisman and uh book of souls i think started off strong but just kind of kept losing energy with every successive song i think uh if eternity should fail was a great album opener uh you know uh speed of light was a great second song uh, there were a couple of other good songs but by the time i got to empire of the clouds i kind of had enough and i was getting thoroughly bored so like i said i was guardedly optimistic i think i'll discuss my impressions of this once we get to that section mm-hmm. yeah cool two different sides of the spectrum right there i'm 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 largely with ravi i was optimistic for a new iron maiden release um just as ever because yeah iron maiden is that band for me um so a month earlier or say maybe a month and a half or whatever we heard the first few singles right which were the writing on the wall and then followed up with strategio stratego i don't know how to say that but yeah i mean yeah, i was like one strategio <laughs> um did the two singles meet your expectations i'm going to be honest um yes and no the writing on the wall definitely surpassed expectations banger of a tune fresh dynamic brave uh by far one of the most unmaiden maiden songs to have ever been released by the band and of course the video did such a great job of building on maiden mythology and lore fantastic stuff strategio on the other hand classic maiden as a single as a single okay and like additional weight to the fact that as a single i didn't really enjoy it and that's because it took the familiarity of maiden and kind of like hugged you to death with it almost like as if it was a boa constrictor of some sort but let me say this this song when heard in the album and when heard in the context of the album itself has me completely changing my views about it which i will get into much later but uh, ravi what about you did the two singles meet your expectations oh absolutely with writing on the wall i was amazed that they'd come up with something so you know in a sense out of the left field and so unfamiliar sounding i think it threw off a lot of the more uh, traditional fans uh, uh, to a great extent because they felt it was too folksy or too country i mean i don't know whether you even got that from uh, <laughs> but you know i thought it was a brilliant song having such a amazing video one where you could really i mean it was essentially like the cover to power slave or somewhere in time transposed yeah. to a video format in 2021 because you could literally just freeze frame at any point of time and then each scene was kind of packed with references to maiden's past and things like that and it was just an amazing song and you know they sounded revitalized maybe it was you know uh, bruce turning around turning a corner after cancer and things like that but there was a certain vibe to the song that i felt had not been there for a while and mm. yeah i really really like that uh, song and then we came up with strategio i think or strategio i think it's strategio because it's also supposed to be a game right uh, that yeah the, the i get yeah. that too so yeah maybe it's strategio so <laughs> uh 
Yeah, so that song was really disappointing. I mean, I stayed up till 1 a.m. Singapore time, I think on a weekday, just to hear it. And I was like, oh my God, this is really, really boring. A friend of mine compared it to Rainmaker from uh, Dance of Death. And I think that's a fairly accurate comparison. Though I agree with you entirely in the context of the album, in the flow of the album, you know, uh, between uh, the title card and writing on the wall, it works so well. Cool. Peter, what about you? What did you make of the first two singles and did it help you get excited for the album? Writing on the wall did. I'll be honest. And I'm not going to like repeat because it's exactly what you guys said, right? I like watched the video. I think I think I enjoyed the video more than like any metal videos uh, I have recently. Like how many bands do metal videos like that, right? And uh, a band like only Maiden can pull off like everything. And it's like a nerd's delight, right? You're like just finding all those kind of uh, cookies in there or stuff. Just trying to see like what's interesting uh, in there. Uh, so that time I was really excited. I was like, fuck, this is interesting. And that's what I was talking about, right? Like, again, it's not like your typical maiden sound, right? So everyone's like, okay, what's going on? Like, I, everyone's kind of interested. But then also what happened is they, I think they released the track list around that time. I can't remember which single. And then you saw like, okay, there's going to be two discs and there's going to be like, three songs which are like this long and you're just like okay what is what's happening with Maiden right and then when you hear Stratego I'm gonna be honest dude I thought it was like a leak like it was like an unfinished (laughs) mix or something because it just sounded like that right you're just like wait this is Maiden and I, I, I guess it's because now we're paying far more attention to singles right and we're following them and we keep getting all uh, these emails. I honestly question, and I sometimes uh, get a bit critical about it, is like, what's the idea of releasing a single which you don't feel or with everyone feels really sucks? I'm going to talk straight up here because I wanted to talk about this. Is a friend of ours, right? Uh, Andy Dowling, who plays in the band Lord. Ravi, you also heard I linked oh, this yeah, to you. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, fuck, when you hear that, you're just like, that should be like what Maiden sounds like, or even far better. And here's a band in Australia who's covered the exact same song and made it sound so much better. So, and can you imagine, like, they've also kind of like really spent how much time in lockdown, I think they're still in lockdown kind of in Australia, uh, putting that together. So it just tells you, right, like where they kind of dropped the ball in that. I've, and I'm just being honest here. I've heard only the album. I've managed to hear it only thrice. But I do see where you guys are coming. I just wish they chose like a better track, right? Like exactly. Maybe, like there's so much more. Like, I don't know. Maybe their idea was let's show the variety on the album or whatever. But isn't the idea of a single to get people excited and get pre-orders and get people to buy I don't know how many people must have been like, I want a refund for this <laughs> CD or... I actually put off my purchase after hearing uh, Stratego. There you go. There I you go. had, uh, you know, the uh, uh, CD box set in my Amazon cart on pre-order. And I was like, okay, one more good song and I'm just going to hit buy on this. And then I heard Stratego and I was like, eh, maybe no. And then I think 
you know, getting into slightly controversial speaks here. I think the album kind of uh, leaked a couple of days before yeah, it yeah. was supposed to have uh, officially dropped. And I heard the title cut and I like literally the first thing I did was scramble off to Amazon, hit buy and say, <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to hear this album only after I get my CDs. But then, of course, we were doing this. So I heard the official release on uh, YouTube Music a couple of times. Hmm. Let's 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 address it then. Uh, quick one-line reactions. Did the reality of Senjutsu live up to your expectations? One-line reactions. You go first. As okay, so as I typed on our WhatsApp, the reality of Senjutsu didn't meet my expectations, and that's not a complaint. I'll explain obviously once we start dissecting this. Peter, I'm okay with it to be honest. I mean, like. I guess that's because I didn't come in with like huge expectations, right? So I'm I'm fine with it at this point. It's just I need to spend more time with the longer songs, right? That's that's what I would say. Okay, Ravi. See, the thing with a band like Maiden is you're always indulging in a bit of self-deception. You're always saying, <laughs> you know what? At this point of time in their careers, what can you expect? It's not going to be as good as the classic stuff. So I'm gonna, you know talk a few points to start with but then you hear individual albums and you're like no even by the standards of my reduced expectations this was quite terrible i'd say final frontier was such an album this one exceeded my expectations you know i mean i was willing to cut them a lot more slack and i would have been uh, completely happy with an album that had maybe around uh, two or three more songs that were like you know throw away than I think there are on this. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, cool. Let's talk about the album opener, right? Um, now, what's interesting to me is, barring If Eternity Should Fail from the Book of Souls, all album openers since Brave New World have been written by Adrian Smith and Steve Harris. And what you've come to expect from them are bursts of energy, right? Songs that forcibly grab you by the neck, smack you around and ensure that you're prepped and ready to take on the rest of the album or a gig, right? The Wicker Man, Wildest Dreams, Different World, The Final Frontier, they all did that, right? Um, Senjutsu, which is the first song of Senjutsu, the album, it does do that, but I think it doesn't do that for the same reasons. It's not the typical maiden opener. Here's a simple question. Can you guys imagine a gig opening with this track? Because I honestly can't. Because at what part does the curtain drop? At what point do the boys rush into the stage? At what point does the crowd start singing along? I do think that this shouldn't have been the album opener. Maybe a deep cut. It's uncharted territory, I'll give them that. And maybe that's the statement the band's trying to make, right? But I feel like on this track, I'm not a happy co-passenger. I have to be cajoled and coerced to ride along with them. I completely disagree. I think it's a mm. great opener. And, uh, you know, I mean, the fact that I heard, what, eight minutes of it and then dropped everything to uh, buy the CD, I think says its own story. I think Dickinson, you mentioned that this is most likely to be the opening track on the next tour in one of the interviews. I think I did come across that. 
I think it's a fantastic opening track. I think it kind of recalibrates your expectations uh, for the album. It's a good thing to do considering the fact that the album is not, you know, uh, maiden as usual. And I think it has a kind of mournful, elegiac quality. It's almost, it's kind of like uh, on the threshold of doom. You mm-hmm. imagine somebody like Candlemas would have slowed this down a couple of paces, and, you know, <laughs> turned up the distortion on the guitars, but it has that kind of a feel to it. And the chorus is probably one of the best that they've ever done in their entire careers. It's such an amazing, amazing chorus. At, the, at this point, I haven't reached my listening where I'm like nerding out to the fact is this going to be an... Uh, set list opener and things like that i've I've just like heard it but uh i can see both points i i feel uh considering we've been sitting at home for so long uh and i haven't been to an iron maiden gig in like almost 10 years that i'll just be happy if they play this song also i'll like rock out to this so yeah i'm fine with it i just i just feel like eight minutes right that's the thing like you typically have and Maiden, like we've spoken, right, are known for their like short, uh, energetic kind of tracks. This takes a bit to warm up to, but uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with it, honestly. Okay, okay. Now, Stratejo, on the other hand, this is this is something that Ravi and I just spoke about. Complete 180 degrees for me in the context of this album because after Senjutsu, I couldn't be happier to listen to some classic Maiden. And what's weird is this is the song that has become the one that I find myself whistling. I find myself humming along to. I know this is going to be a barn burner live. I just know it. Um, Ravi, did you think Stratejo on the album is a different beast than Stratejo as a single? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the context of the album, it just makes so much more sense. In fact, maybe if they'd had a couple of more tracks like this, I think they have just one more track, which is at this kind of level of pace and energy. Maybe if they'd had a couple of more tracks like this, I don't like the album even more. But, uh, you know, as it stands, it's a great track and the placement is amazing. Peter, did uh, Stratejo turn your views about it on the album? Yeah, and I don't know, maybe it's the YouTube mix or whatever you want to call it, right? It sounded so much better to me. Actually, I wanted to message you guys. It's like, hey, by the way, Strategio is sounding a lot because I heard it on like Spotify Premium, right? And I was like, this sounds a lot better than I remember it. And it doesn't have that kind of like demo-ish quality that when I first heard it, or maybe it's my ears, I don't know. But uh, just back to back, it makes so much more sense. And that's where I think you got to give props to bands like Iron Maiden who still like focus on sequencing tracks and putting this. It, it's not just by accident. It's not like, ha, huh, this is the first song we wrote, first track. Second song we wrote, second track. It doesn't work that way, right? They've actually like thought this through and uh, it really shows. So that's the difference that Stratejo makes. But why single man? You should have put so many other tracks. Like I, Like my marketing brain kind of uh, switched on and I was like hey this was a better track to put as a single <laughs> or this would have been a nice which one. was that better track to put as a single Time Machine was a great track I felt like you could have used Time Machine, Days of Future Past 
I know we're going a little ahead, but for me, those were the tracks that I really uh, liked. And for me, those stood out, right? I was like, fuck, these, why, why wasn't like these tracks used? I mean, they had strong something that they would have kind of resonated with uh, the audience far more or the listeners far more. Ravi, what about you? Any other track besides Strategio as second single? I mean, just about any track. (laughs) You know, created a dartboard of the tracks, taken uh, Strategio out and thrown a dart at it, and that would have been a better single. I I still think, I mean, in spite of the fact that I like it a lot better in the context of the album, I still think it's the weakest cut on the album. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I, I, I agree with both of you. The... The second single should have been a different song, but I would have loved to see Strategio released as the, as the third single yeah. as a live video after the album had been released. Like, this is clearly the track that's 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 so classic made in that it had to be released at some point in time as a, as a single uh, to get, like, anybody who's, you know, still living under a rock about a new Maiden release to finally peep up and take notice of the fact that they have a new album out. Anyways, let's get on to the real uh, talking point about Senjutsu, which is the four long songs by Steve Harris. Lost in a Lost World, Death of the Cells, The Parchment and Hell on Earth. And why I say that is because together they occupy nearly 44 minutes out of uh, 87 minutes. That's nearly half the entire album. Um, I'll be honest, okay? Out of these, Hell on Earth is the only ones that gave me goosebumps immediately on first listen. Um, That's something that I look for from an Iron Maiden release. And there hasn't been a six-man Maiden album that's left me without experiencing that very feeling on first listen. So I'm happy that Senjutsu didn't disappoint on that front. However, having said that, I'm disappointed that the other three Harris songs didn't evoke that kind of a feeling. Um, Now, I spent quite a lot of time trying to figure out why that was. Because these songs, they feature the familiar or the reasons why I love Iron Maiden. They feature it in spades. Um, The world's been quick to point out the similarities, right? Be it labeling Death of the Cells as the spiritual successor to the Clansman or... Uh, the power slavish kind of a feel of the parchment and let's be honest it's not that these songs aren't maiden enough right there's no way these songs could be a product of any other band so what really is missing i think like honestly what what i thought was missing from from these four songs and largely on the whole album was the anthemic dumb as fuck sing-along chorus and the gargantuan hook the parts where you know the stadium will be singing along to the parts that make people like me a guy from bombay india feel like he's part of something much 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 bigger than uh, my life itself right jokingly i call it the band's x factor i think they indulge <laughs> themselves on that album with this to a huge degree and that stayed on right All these four songs, they have parts that give you some hope of slipping into a similar mood or moment. The latter half of the parchment is such a fucking amazing maiden tune. And that comes closest to delivering the goods. Hell on Earth, of course, delivered those goods absolutely. But the rest of the songs, 
those parts were just few and far apart one thing i'm really glad about and i'm at least glad that animesh is kind of dissected it that way is that the two discs right so you don't have to like kind of skip or go through you can just like either listen to disc 1 or disc 2 and if you don't like the really long songs oh, just all of them on disc 2 right yeah yeah. yeah 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 so they very nicely done that quick quick uh, thing i want to get your reaction uh, ravi what's your uh, what do you feel about the really long maiden songs well for the first time i think i didn't mind them as much as i used to perhaps it's because you know after an 18 minute song uh, like empire of the clouds which i didn't enjoy at all uh, you know even a 12 minute song seems like something that yeah, more bite sized and uh, easily consumable now see the thing is it's not so much about the length really i mean i like uh, i like hardcore prog you know i mean i've heard uh, a tales from the topographic oceans which is basically uh, four songs all of which are 20 minutes long and i love that album to death that's by yes i think what the problem with maiden doing prog is they mistake the length of prog for the depth of prog yeah yep thank you so said you basically have a long song with lots of elements none of which are really progressive none of which are really stretching the boundary on anything other than duration and i think that's you know one of the serious knocks they have about post reunion uh, maiden having said that i absolutely loved lost in the lost world i think uh, the part towards the end where it's almost like the graft of an entirely different song onto it uh, as opposed to you know doing something easier than having that as a kind of sing along sex instrumental fade out i think that was really really good and yeah i think uh, at some point we should talk about the lyrics there's lots of stuff i have to say about that hmm. so uh of these four songs purely because of the time i had to hear the album i think i've spent the most time on uh, lost in the lost world same a because you know sequentially it came ahead b because it was a song that i kept going back to i really like uh, uh hello earth to the parchment it struck me as a kind of mellow version of to tamer land from uh, peace of mind you know the riff is vaguely reminiscent of to tamer land mm-hmm. and uh, uh death of the cells was all right i thought there were parts of it that reminded me slightly of uh, i think uh, tears of a dragon from you know yeah uh, balls to picasso uh it uh, i think death of the cells is the weakest of the long tracks and in my opinion lost in the lost world is the strongest of the long tracks hmm actually to your point adamesh about uh, the hooks and the single long sections i think i mean i assume made in a reach the stage where they can write something like that in their sleep and exactly I they, right i think they consciously avoided writing something like that for this album because uh i think it has a far more mournful far more reflective kind of feel to it than i think any previous i had made an album has ever had it's not as joyous i mean if you think about the trooper it's not a particularly happy song it's about a guy who's like practically getting shot and dying 
but there's a certain vigor and energy and joy to that song and i don't think that emotion is present anywhere on this album yes i see what you're saying right there and i completely agree i think this album was far more of a serious listen i think the last one to have probably dealt with such um such heaviness as such was probably a matter of life and death but matter of life and death yeah, yeah, yeah. but that was that was that still had the 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 hooky maiden as such come to the forefront um with songs like for the greater good of god which was an absolute joy to listen to and you knew that they would play it live and you knew that you would be enjoying it live too um on Or this even one brighter than a thousand suns for for that yeah, matter i mean even, that yeah, chorus exactly yeah completely agree with you um so yeah i get that on your point about the the repetition of it right i like i like repetition in songs it's one of the things that draws me into black metal too right um i enjoy when parts are repeated to create an atmosphere to create ambience to create an effect uh, of sorts and maiden does seem to do that well but i i agree with you on the point that i think they've i think they've let um duration get in the way of just pushing the envelope in some places because this album does have quite a lot of uh fat and yes maybe just maybe just a session with an editor would <laughs> a third party <laughs> editor right would would maybe help this make um make this a much more focused listen that being said you know there are still parts especially on hell on earth which which i think uh which both of us ravi and i we've talked about earlier not on the podcast but just before this um the fact that i enjoyed all that build up to finally the music kicking in and you thought it could have done with reduction over there for me that happened on lost in a lost world weirdly enough and yeah to some degree death of a uh, death of the cells Yeah so about that again uh I think this is definitely not an album that you can listen to casually uh which is pretty much what I was doing when we had that conversation I mean I was basically attending to work having this playing in the background uh and you know just maybe thinking you guys and that's frankly not the best atmosphere to hear this in and I think this is one of those sit down and listen kind of albums and if you're not going to yeah. you know give it your complete attention it's just going to annoy you hmm. no i i completely agree i mean i think that's where what happens with the four long tracks right like if you're just casually listening to it you're just going to be like okay what is this this is like it's like really quiet and one of the things i actually said to you guys is like because it's been recorded and in the can for like 2 years did no one listen to it did they just like make an album of everything that they recorded like this clearly could have like there's certain parts and that's where i like find myself sometimes getting too critical is like did this part really need to be there did this intro really need to be like more than 1 minute because at some point imagine like putting a cd in and listening to it what would you do your first thing is like is my cd player right is this there's a glitch in the cd right that's what we would typically do or i mean god forbid i don't even remember listening to maiden on uh, cassettes but you like definitely fast forward it right that okay where's the music starting hmm. uh but yeah i wouldn't do that 
<laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, in terms of if you just have like ambient sound playing in there. But uh, yeah, I think like for me, I I completely agree with uh, Ravi. Like Lost in the Lost World, I've heard more because I've spent more time I think on disc one than disc two, and the couple of times that I kind of made it to Hell on Earth, I was like, why isn't the why is this the last track, right? In a way. Like I want to hear this more, so this mm. is where I miss like buying the CD, and I'm really envious of you if I'm not going to say this more than once uh, today, Ravi, that you actually get to buy a maiden CD. Who knows whether we'll actually be able to buy one in India, right? But, I'm sure we will. <laughs> hope let let's let's. I I wish I shared your optimism, but uh, <laughs> hey, maybe not right now, but maybe definitely within the next month or so. Let's talk about the other songs, right? Weirdly, I really, really enjoyed the shorter songs on the album, and I'm including the seven minuters as short songs, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, no, because come on, the, the writing on the wall. Just a short song. <laughs> the the writing on the wall is already by far one of the strongest post Brave New World era songs that the band have ever written, and. The others, the days of future past, the time machine, and darkest star are, are are all just very strong songs. I also think this album finally <laughs> kind of helps uh, provide a lot of weight behind the, the behind the thought of okay, it's high time that we stop ridiculing Yannick and his contribution to the band. Um, <laughs> sure, like hey, I never did that. Yeah, oh. you you may you have you may have, uh, have never done that. I don't do that, but for a lot of the Maiden fans, Yannick Gers is the is the third guy. He's the guy who they've sixth man <laughs> accepted. Yeah, he's the he's the sixth man as such. He doesn't need to be part of the core five or whatever. And sure, Adrian Smith and Dave Murray have the classic Maiden sound on tap. It's like. There's a faucet, and you can open it, and boom, you will get them playing stereotypical Maiden. But I think it's high time to recognize the fact that what Gers brings to the band, even though it may seem overtly familiar at times, it does pack a wallop completely. No, I I, I agree. I mean, like I I still remember the first time uh, I was gonna watch Iron Maiden. Right for me, it was like a huge deal, and I'm sure Ravi and you, Anamesh, both uh, agree. And I still remember a friend of mine uh, from Canada who had seen them a few times. Right? He was like, "Just watch Yannick on stage," <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, like, what's he gonna do and stuff like that?" And you remember, Yannick is just on the side. You don't even know if the guitar is actually plugged in, right? Because he's just like dancing around and doing his own thing. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's all I have to say about Yannick at least. Cool. Any views about these four songs as such? The writing on the wall, days of future past, the time machine, now darkest star. Would you have heard more of these on the album? I actually thought days of future past had shades of Everlong the way it began. <laughs> I've, I've, I've read that too. To I've read that too a lot. But you know, I was like, oh hey, <laughs> this is familiar. Imagine, imagine Iron Maiden <laughs> listening to Foo Fighters on their downtime, right? And going like, "Holy shit, this is something that we should do." I don't think that that's happened, but yeah, but, whatever. But can you imagine? At least they didn't make like an entire album of that, right? Like <laughs> Foo Fighters have been milking it from the beginning. <laughs> like they've got that formula, right? 
Yeah, so uh, I'd say of the remaining songs, I think uh, I think the Time Machine is probably my favorite song on the entire album. I I think Riju had said that it was his favorite Maiden song since Fear of the Dark, and I don't know where exactly I'd place it, but it's such an amazing song. The vocal lines are so strong and so completely different and non-cliched. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I think the time machine is like the crowning achievement of this album. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's uh, it's not like the others, the rest of it is significantly weaker. So, you know, I I really, really love the time machine. Okay. So, so the thing is, I've like very strategically avoided reading all reviews because we were going to do this, right? And then I'd just be basically regurgitating what I've read in the reviews. Uh, but Riju was very hard to ignore because he was like constantly in my timeline, like breaking down each song and sharing his opinions from the time the album leaked. Right? I haven't, I didn't hear it when it leaked. But now, like, it's exactly what you said. Like, I really enjoy the Time Machine, and I'm trying, and that's what I'm going to do on future listens. Is just forget about like the length of the songs. Like, that's a problem with streaming. You're actually seeing. <laughs> how many minutes are left and all that kind of business and just kind of getting lost in the album and just kind of paying more attention to it but i liked days of future past also i mean like length aside and jokes aside about the everlong reference and all of that right like i would have liked to see at least one more song like that oh yeah absolutely for sure i think the album would have i mean they were going to put two discs out anyway so <laughs> You know, yeah. they may as well have slapped another of the long songs on disc two and put in a real quick yeah. uh, shot, chop, shock type song on disc one. Hmm. But, you know, we, we've been talking about song lens. One of the most enjoyable or the one of the most biggest plus points of Senjutsu for me is the fact that it doesn't really feel like an 87 or 88 minute long album. I've easily been able to listen to it at a stretch from start to end. I yeah, wasn't able to, to do that, that from, I wasn't able to do that for uh, the Book of Souls. I wasn't able to do that hell even for the Final Frontier, weirdly. Like listen to it from start to end multiple times. But on this one, yeah, it's it's so easy to just enjoy it as an as an entire album. Yeah, I Weird. agree. I mean, like I can't believe you brought up Final Frontier. I I kind of like have forgotten about that album it has one of my favorite maiden songs on it ever where the wind wind, uh, when the wild wind blows is a fantastic song yeah but i i get where you're coming from i mean at least like i already told you about how i feel about uh, book of souls and then you had final frontier so compared like when you put in this album right after that and maybe it's only been like a day and i've only heard it a couple of times uh so far but i i definitely see myself listening to it more like i can enjoy uh this album and yeah i i don't think like the lengths may, maybe at initial part like i said when i was looking at the track list it's like what the hell are do made in doing like with a 12 minute song like i've been jokingly told a friend of mine who's heavily into like dream theater maybe you like this album <laughs> and he and he seems to enjoy it so yeah okay cool uh biggest drawbacks for me the biggest drawback i have isn't the experimentation or the branching off into unknown as such it's that the album is so inconsistently produced 
I hate that fact. I mean, Bruce is loud in some songs and in the others, he's absolutely getting lost in the mix. The same applies to the drums. The synths are just way too piercing and distracting. Uh, the shimmery effect just doesn't work for me. Um, yes, as you said rightly, Peter, the album was done and dusted in 2019 and apparently locked away in a safe uh, for two years, right? Maybe just maybe the band could have, you know, just brought it out midway and fine-tuned the mix to sound warmer and just sound more balanced. That to me is the biggest, biggest drawback for off Senjutsu. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, if this was any other band, we would have been like far more critical. We would have been like, screw these guys, like, who are these bunch of amateurs? Uh, like, don't they, didn't they pay enough to their engineer or whatever? We'd make all those kind of things, right? But the fact that it's made in and like, even in 2019, if they put this out or, or I mean, recorded it and put it out, it would still not stand in terms of production, right? With made in, you're expecting a particular production there's a certain sound uh it's i'm coming back to what you said earlier right while you hear the songs now you already in your mind expecting you know what it should sound like live and i have a feeling that eventually when because i'm optimistic on this front that we will see made in uh live uh soon is that it'll sound so much more different and that's one of the things i feel like in both times that I've seen Made in Live, is after watching the tracks live, it takes a whole different life for me. Like I enjoy them far more when I go listen back to them. So yes, fingers crossed that it happens in at least 2022, because 2021, I think is a write-off again. But mm. uh, if I listen, I mean, hear the tracks live, I'm going to come back and listen to these tracks and be like, fuck, it sounded so much better live. Or who knows, maybe in like five years, they'll do like a reissue or remixed or God yeah. whatever. I was actually, it. I was actually thinking that's a distinct possibility. I thought that considering how uh, heavy the synths are on this and considering the fact that Iron Maiden is probably uh, one of the wealthiest bands in heavy metal, if not the wealthiest band in heavy metal, they could actually get the London Symphonic to re-record those synth parts make them actually symphonic and then put it out again and like literally uh be you know a first day buyer on something like that if they did something like that but you know uh, i think the production really really lets the album down i think it had a sharper uh you know i mean i'm not even talking about a more contemporary production i'm just talking about even if they had their 80s production on yeah. this album it would have sounded so much better it just sounds muffled in places and, you know, I've like literally put it through the paces as far as my audio equipment is concerned. I've heard it on my amp, I've dusted out every single pair of headphones I have and heard them on all, heard it on all of them. And, you know, there's some things that you just can't polish and I think the production here is definitely a huge, huge letdown. Hmm. So question, sorry, I have to ask this thing. Can you imagine for all of us, at least we've like spent a lot of time listening to Iron Maiden, right? So we know their albums and we know the production. Can you imagine this is somebody's first Iron Maiden album? What are they going to expect? Like, can you imagine them going back to the discography? They'd be like, they did something wrong in that, right? It's going to be very obvious. Don't you think? See, it's a little odd because, uh, you know, I think the reason we are reacting to this 
the way we are is because we've heard the previous albums. If somebody else hears this and if they really like this, they it's entirely possible that they may not like the production in the early <laughs> albums because you know they they might feel it's too polished or not KVLT enough or something like that. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I'd I'd answer that slightly differently for people who are listening to. Senjutsu as their first Iron Maiden album, I think the weight of the songs itself is far, far more than the production. The production to me is a secondary element on this album. Yes, it does let the album down, but that it still it still comes in second place to to what to what the Maiden sound is. So if this is your first Maiden album and you'll then go back into the catalog. I think you'll enjoy it definitely, and you won't really give uh, give a secondary thought to the production as such on Senjutsu. This isn't a new problem for Maiden, and this isn't the first time I'm complaining about production on a Maiden album because it it's been it's been weirdly enough it's been ever since the X Factor, ever since Martin left. Yeah, apart from apart from Brave New World and and uh, Dance of Death to a degree. all the all the albums post that they've had this inconsistency in mix and what's weird is all the all the concert uh, or the live albums that they've released ever since that ever since the rock in rio um, live album have had spectacular mixes right where where you want to listen to them on 5.1 systems and 7.1 systems etc etc because they do such a great job of just using all those devices to make it a far better listen I don't know man like sometimes I think that you know the band is going ahead with this thing of okay comfort breeds familiarity and hence uh, you you don't need to you don't need to like change change what's happening because you're so comfortable with it but I think it's high point in time that they did whatever okay come we'll come back to senjutsu now um least favorite song and favorite song uh, yeah well stratego and uh, the time machine Uh, that is least favorite and favorite. So yeah. Okay, Peter. Wow. Okay, I it, it's still like very close for me. So uh, if it isn't obvious already, uh, least favorite so far is the death of cells and the parchment. Again, I hope this will change. But from what you guys are saying, because like I'm being honest, I've not spent that much time on uh, this too. But my favorite so far is uh, the time machine. and close behind comes days of future past hmm okay least favorite song for me at the moment dead of the cells because it feels like a squandered opportunity absolutely and favorite song um in the order that i'm listing them out hell on earth the writing on the wall strategio and the time machine wow okay hell i just i didn't expect hell on earth huh? yeah anyways um so do you guys think you'll be revisiting this album listening to it in entirety etc etc Of course. I definitely see myself revisiting this. I think uh, uh, before this, the uh, only pre uh, post reunion uh, album that I would revisit occasionally was uh, a matter of life and death, and I think this one's a little stronger than that. I think the fact that uh, it's you know so in its own way stripped down and melancholic, I think uh, appeals to me a great deal. So yeah, definitely. Okay cool so let's take that thought a bit further um post brave new world era maiden 
where would you place senjutsu amongst the six albums now six albums released by the six man maiden incredibly enough i'd actually place it right at the top i was not too much of a fan of brave new world mainly because i came into it with massive expectations which it would have been impossible for any album to meet uh dance of death i didn't particularly like the title track i think is one of the most annoying songs made in ever done uh, uh a matter of life and death was around 60% great 40% so so uh the final frontier i couldn't stand except for one song uh book of souls started strong got weak so yeah i placed this at the top of the list peter wow okay wow this is <laughs> so this is going to be tough considering i've only heard this album thrice but this is again personal subjective thing uh i would place it third so far for me at this point uh a matter of life in that because i've just spent so much time listening to that album right so that's at the top i would place this somewhere like say right after that or i'd have brave brave new world there then like i completely agree uh with ravi so I'd, like it's it's kind of like really strange right cuz i also agree uh, about dance of death like it doesn't hold when i look back now so that comes lower book of souls comes last man like i i actually feel that i should go listen back to that album now and then you've got final frontier so like you have those as the last three in there in no particular order at this point animesh mm-hmm. i'm very curious to know why where your places are for me brave new world is on top um followed by dance of death after that comes in senjutsu um after that comes in amolad a matter of life and death then comes the book of souls and then comes the final frontier uh and that's because on final frontier usually i find myself skipping all the songs and just going to where when the wild wind blows <laughs> and maybe like fuck i'm even forgetting if uh, star blind star blind if if that song was on uh final frontier i think it was right it yeah. it's the one just before the talisman um yeah but brave new world and dance of that those those clearly are the top two albums for me still for a post brave new world era maiden and senjutsu comes in a strong third maybe that will change but i also think it it wouldn't really uh, just one more thing despite how much i like senjutsu the talisman will always be in my top 3 songs as far as post reunion maiden is concerned i actually contemplated buying that album just for that one song because it's i incredible. completely understand where you're coming from because wow. that to me is the re- the only reason why i still own the final frontier I mean <laughs> not the talisman but when the wild wind blows anyways um does senjutsu add redact or have no effect on maiden's legacy let me uh, let me start this one off i like where maiden are at you know at a time when legacy bands metallica judas priest black sabbath you know they've released albums that seemingly return to their roots and they can be counted as or be seen as a worthy bookend to their discography here's iron maiden who weirdly don't seem like they're done right you can see the effort and thought behind maiden wanting to try new things out just trying to push themselves trying to just add something more to their already exhaustive catalog 
clearly this is a band that isn't afraid to experiment so with that being said i'll say that overall senjutsu does surpass my expectations because maiden's legacy and let's be absolutely brutally honest with it it's a legacy that can't really be fucked with right they put in the work and become the band that will always be there for you right to me they are like ghar ka khana you know it's it's going to be you know it's going to be tasty you can help yourself to as much as you want and ultimately it's the healthy nutritious poshtik ahar it's good for you you know that right but of course you get bored with it and that's why you go out and eat outside food so given <laughs> that context senjutsu really doesn't tarnish the the maiden legacy it adds to making maiden the band that kind of unites the metal world which is why even with my drawbacks I'm happy that Senjutsu that Senjutsu is the way it is because at some level it also kind of gives me hope that maybe this isn't the end that we'll actually see not a remaster but we may actually see album number 18 in 5 years or so. What do you guys think? I think it definitely uh, adds to their legacy. I I mean maybe this is just where I'm at at the moment in life or whatever but it definitely felt like a last album you know if i was and made and if i wanted to you know call it a day this is the album that i'd call it a day with this album in my opinion is the sound of closure and uh, you know uh, uh, you made a really interesting point about how a lot of the legacy bands are kind of uh, going back to their roots I think it's amazing that Maiden at this point of time in its career have the courage to grow new roots yeah. which is pretty much what Senjutsu sounds like to me. No, I I am coming back to what I said earlier, right? Is it's kind of challenging also what you know about Maiden, right? Like like Adamesh very nicely put that analogy of like Maiden being home cooked food, right? You always know it's going to be there. It's going to it's nutritious and all of that. but it's like the time that your mom adds an extra zing or add something extra to it you don't like think it's going to be the same you just take one bite and you're like okay and that's why we've spent like an hour discussing this album right i mean it's made in it's had such a huge impact on our lives and we're excited i mean like while i started off by saying i had no expectations uh, for the album to begin with but here i'm going to probably end up buying a deluxe edition of the cd with something extra in it right because it's i made in i mean i own all even though i said i don't like final frontier i still own that on cd right it's made in <laughs> what do you do yeah see if you want to view it a little cynically um and made in at this stage uh, at least as good a merchandising organization as they are a band and <laughs> if you are you know <laughs> Oh, wired the way most heavy metal fans are wired. You're like, okay, maybe the album sounds not so great, but wow, look at that box! Oh, wow, look but, at that eight-fold LP. But isn't that one of the things that I mentioned? I think initially when we saw the artwork for Senjutsu, right? It's like, fuck, this would be a great like poster. I was actually thinking of like you know action figures and all of that, and it's quite telling also, by the way, that. in india at this point you can buy like legal merchandise or legally licensed merchandise of iron maiden but you still have no sign of the cd or vinyl or anything else right so i think mahatobar should be getting them they do have a distribution agreement with parlophone so i checked <laughs> no <laughs> oh okay 
not yet the world hasn't woken up to the fact that india is still uh, is still a market worth exploring yeah. for iron maiden which is weird right so final question then given a chance when maiden brings this to tour when uh, starts touring with senjutsu which will happen they are already booked for download next year and they already have a summer lineup as such going and you've seen the dates etc being released given a chance will you still watch maiden live of course man i'm i'm Absolutely. like eagerly waiting i i got damn excited when uh, cuz they were supposed to play in dubai uh, <laughs> last year and i think i me- messaged you anamesh about it and uh, yeah we were like, all expecting india to be the mid like because there were seven days between the yeah. <laughs> between going from southeast asia to dubai we were all expecting like okay india's definitely going to be a stop and so the news that prior to the album released is that actually maiden still are going to make the date in dubai because that's what like the stadium uh, owner said so i was like okay this can still happen and you know considering that it will be easier for me to fly like 3 hours and catch maiden uh, it will most probably be that and come on let's be honest when is the last time we all went for a gig right what what, yeah. what it'll be like actually watching maiden live like that will be like the perfect way to kind of like Papa gig cherries again, right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because it seems like that. Yeah. I personally like for all that you said about the branding. I can't wait to see what Samurai Eddie looks like live. Ah, dude, but yeah, I landed there. Like for me, the rest of Senjutsu and the theme that they went for it, and Bruce Dickinson had this lovely quote, which he, which he, uh, uh, which he said in an interview with Apple Music, I think, which he said that the band has plundered so many cultures to. basically redesign and uh, make eddy relevant to some degree that this just feels like another attempt of that sort so i like the fact that the band is also acknowledging it in some manner uh, i mean yeah if you have a mobile game that's purely based on different iterations of eddy then definitely samurai eddy would be a no brainer uh, addition as such i think there was already a samurai eddy if i'm not mistaken yeah but, but that was only eddy holding a samurai blade rather than an actual samurai eddy <laughs> yeah, it happened with uh, Made in Japan. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, there is a Samurai Eddie character in the game, so maybe they were actually foreshadowing uh, this. As, as the character has been around for a while, so you know, uh, maybe they were foreshadowing this all the way back in 2017 or something. Uh, actually, as a kind of uh, final question, what do you think the album is about? <laughs> Oh, you wanted to talk about the lyrics? Fuck, I forgot. Yes, you never brought that up. Ah, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I've stopped basically associating Maiden album titles and Maiden album artwork with overarching concept or something of that sort. Like, apart from Amulad, I don't think it's happened ever since then. Um, they just went and picked out their like the lead single or the song that. maybe helps them identify this particular album as such uh, from their vast cat- uh, catalog and just slapping that on and choosing that as the band title uh, choosing that as the album title and hence then developing the artwork this isn't a concept album for me uh, maiden are still still basically they've they become so good in this role of using music to uh tell you about historical facts or tell you about historical stories or just uh using these as as songs to ruminate about um war and death and 
you know every other thing that they seem to be having on their mind hell on earth is a great example of that yeah uh, it definitely feels like you know steve harris is like spent like a lot of time just looking at the world and saying like holy shit this isn't worth living anymore to some degree and or can you imagine yeah. this is all pre covid huh? so yeah exactly imagine yeah. the music that's going to come out now <laughs> in the lyrical aspect of it i don't see a drastic evolution or something of that sort with senjutsu uh, or what the songs are about yes it's a more mature album yes it's a more serious listen but i would be expecting something of this sort from iron maiden so it it meets expectations the lyrical aspect isn't a huge um push away from the usual for me okay i actually think that i mean maybe i'm reading too much into it uh, i guess it's you know once you're a literature student unfortunately you're forced <laughs> to read too much into just about everything that you come across uh, but i actually think that this is uh, kind of an elegy for the west for the decline mm-hmm. of the west if you think about the first song uh, which is uh, senjutsu there are a lot of references to a wall being built and the wall being kind of you know people rallying around it and while it's tempting to think it's the great wall of china it could also be trump's wall which was a subject that was very much in the news presumably around the time that this song was being written and i think the entire album is a concept album on the futility of strategies because in the end chaos reigns and hell on earth takes over uh, very interesting yeah what's also interesting is the fact that uh, you know this i think for what were better way of putting it clues in the entire thing for instance on senjutsu you have uh, the lines uh, survive on the ledges bitten in dust knowledge and virtue is stricken by lust uh, really believe they are coming for us dancing on the graves of those who bled for us and on the last track hell on earth you have you dance on the graves who bled for us do you really think they'll come for us knowledge and virtue taken by lust living on the edge of those that you trust so i think there was a very conscious attempt to kind of book end yeah. this sentiment of you know paranoia in senjutsu with you know a kind of resignation towards the end hmm oh very God. interesting now, point now no, we'll go listen to back the album and like <laughs> find to comb the lyrics oh god you opened like a new thing for me ravi to do now <laughs> even if you think about the darkest star if you ask me the darkest star is kind of like the sequel to uh, aces high it's essentially about churchill yeah and how he kind of managed to rally people around through that time it's of course probably inspired by the movie the darkest star but at the same time it's not a song of triumph at all unlike aces high agreed and you know uh, this brings to mind uh, another another quote that i read uh, from bruce dickinson which he says that um for him it's very easy to write about apocalyptic kind of songs right or or songs that that clearly have the a uh, line drawn between the good and the bad or um you know what's what's going to save us versus what's going on in reality etc etc um and 
that element of sorts is something that is that basically helps maiden transcend the factual and make a song acceptable for a lot of people to get into oh yeah i think by now dickinson's uh, and whoever else is writing the lyrics etc be it harris or be it uh, whoever else um they've fallen into a great stride where these songs and such kind of lyrics are something that they should be able to rattle off in their sleep and it shows it definitely shows so all in all we are kind of happy that senjutsu released oh absolutely yeah i mean it's iron maiden man you get excited like i said and i'm going to repeat uh, and i'm doing it purposely to whoever listens may have some power in releasing merchandise and more merchandise because i'm excited like i want to buy like an action figure or something for my kid right that's the kind of cool stuff that he'll even though he may not get like what i'm listening to but uh, or like head bang along to the riffs and everything else but uh, maybe like some action figures or some cool stuff that he can play along with yeah interestingly enough i think this is the least head bangable iron maiden album would you agree yep absolutely that's that's one of my biggest drawbacks for it too right that's exactly what i said where are the hooks but anyways um i thoroughly enjoyed it i think i'm going to listen to it more um definitely one that needs to be heard a lot more uh, it's it's not something that you can immediately brush off like uh what the final frontier or even to some degree the book of souls was so yeah good step iron maiden we are enjoying this that's yeah, that's, that's good news <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think it's kind of telling of our age also and the fact that now we're excited that iron maiden are releasing plus to a certain extent i'm living a life where i'm still like at home right so i have time to kind of spend listening to this music but uh, i think it's a culmination of all of that all righty ladies and gentlemen that's what we thought about senjutsu what did you guys think about senjutsu uh why didn't you tell us as always we are at honsupport.com or on twitter at honsupport i'm at asmoani on twitter i'm at trend crusher i'm ravi and i'm still at home Yay! That's the way we hope it gets to be for uh, quite some time. Who needs to go to work anymore? It's yeah. all about working from home. <laughs> yeah. Till the next home. time. Horns up. Horns up, guys. Horns up.